we are talking about some big ideas today. And in fact, this is the final episode of the series, Unreligious. And, and th there are some big ideas in this. And, and if you've been hearing this over the past several weeks, uh, you, uh, you may have issues with it. You may be challenged here. You may be saying, I'm not sure that's right. Is that really the way? You may have have questions, and that's okay. And uh, I, I encourage you to talk about these with, with us. Talk with Rick. Talk with me. Call Pastor Jeff. Um, we we want to we talk about these issues. We want to be together in what we're doing and how we are defining our faith, and today particularly talking about how we are sharing our faith with others. Uh, one other thing before I get going, um, uh, Rick, it was a great greeting question that you, uh, that you asked us. My, my group of people over here wanted more time to answer it, and maybe others did. So I'm not going not, not gonna to give you any of my time here, but <laughs> after the service, I give you permission to return to that conversation. And actually, this is something we should be doing all the time. Let the greeting moment be the beginning of a conversation that continues after the service. But especially this one, as we're talking about our church experiences and, uh, you know, the first time we came to a church, what our feeling was uh, and what that might, how that might have changed today. That's important stuff. So, so we'll, we'll revisit that uh, afterward. And I give you all permission to ask that question uh, go back to the person and say, you, you were starting to talk about something, uh, tell me more about that. So I went to my uh, high school reunion a couple of months ago. I won't tell you what number, <laughs> but uh, it always surprises me when I go to a high school reunion because I really didn't like high school very much, and um, I, I didn't know a lot of people there. So... Um, I had a small group of friends uh, in high school, maybe a dozen people that I was, that was pretty close to, uh, but the others were, were kind of strangers to me. Maybe I knew their names. And so I go to these reunions, and 80% and of the people uh, I still don't know, uh, and, and a few of the people there are my old friends, and uh, it's, it's good to connect with them and to see what's, what's happening with them. Uh, it, it made me think back to high school, though, and, and so in the, the time since then, I've been kind of reviewing what I was like in high school and how my high school experience went, and um, I, was, I was conflicted. Let me just put it that way. I was, I, as, as I've said before, may, many of you have heard this, but I, I grew up going to a conservative Baptist church, and there are many great things that I am grateful to that church for. that They taught me the Bible. They taught me a love for Jesus. I became a Christian uh, as a child in that, in that church. And so lots of good things there, but there were also some, some problems, some, some conflicts. And one of the things I was conflicted about was that they put a lot of pressure on us to witness to people. Now, some of you know that word, witness, very well, and others of you may not. So basically, witness means to share your faith, to talk about Jesus, to encourage other people to have a relationship with, with Jesus as, as you do. So we were told to witness. Now, I'm, I'm talking about that as if it's a bad thing. And, and 
we at Hope Church encourage you to share your faith too. So it's not a bad thing, but there was something about that, that pressure, especially for me as a high school student, that I found difficult to deal with. Because, as you may know from your own experience, high school is a very precarious situation. You do one dumb thing and you get labeled forever. You can easily get ostracized from a group of friends, and I didn't want that to happen. I had this small group of people that I connected to, and I really wanted them to know Jesus as I did, but I didn't want to preach to them. I didn't want to turn them off. I wanted to be kind of subtle about it, and so I became the, the king of subtleness. Subtlety. Um, so I was, I, you know, I, I was loving and caring. I was a good friend to them. And I also showed my, my holiness. I did not drink, did not smoke, I did not swear, I did not laugh at dirty jokes. Even if they were really funny, I just... <laughs> and half the time I didn't understand them anyway. But uh, there, and, and I didn't go to dances. And this was a thing, my church was, uh, you know, they didn't like the sexuality of dancing. And so they, we were not allowed to go... To, to dances, and th so this kind of separated me from the social life of the, of the high school as well, and um, it was an ongoing challenge. Uh, the church did give us some tools to, uh, to use in our, uh, in, in our evangelism, in our witnessing, uh, and uh, these were mostly tracts. Now, this is something some of you may know what tracts are, and others of you may have no clue pieces of paper, <laughs> little, uh, kind of three by five size, uh, a f one fold over, so it's like a four-page booklet. And the cover, you know, has something that catches your eye and, and a message on it. Uh, and um, so a message like, you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus as your personal savior. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, if you were to die tonight, what would you say to God? That kind of thing. Um, and uh, one thing I knew is that there was no way um, in hell that I would <laughs> give these to my friends at school. That, uh, that was just not the way I wanted to share my faith with them. And so we'd get some of these at church, and I would toss them aside and not use them. But one day, one day, they came up with a tract and, and, and gave to us something new and different and kind of, kind of trendy. It had a kind of modern art to it and a, and a more modern message to it. It was a protest sign. It was something like this. It was a, a cartoon character holding a sign like this, down with religion. And inside was this wonderful message, not you're going to hell, but Jesus wants a relationship with you. It's not about religion. It's not about doing religious things. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, finally, there's something that says what I want to say to my friends. Here it is. And so I took some of these tracts, and actually I, I, I wasn't sure still that I wanted to give anything to anybody, but I took one to school with me that maybe I could show it to somebody. And sure enough, it, I, I think it was at lunchtime, I kind of slid this over to a friend and said, here, take a look at this, See if, what do you think of this? And the guy looked at it, 
down with religion. Randy, you're the most religious person I know. What, you're telling me down with religion? What got into you? And I said, well, John, that's the thing. You know, Christianity isn't a religion. It's, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I don't know if he was even hearing me, but he grabbed somebody else, and he says, look, look what Randy gave me. It says down with religion. And the guy looked at what down with religion. Randy, you're the most religious person we know. How could you be saying down with religion? I said, I know, but it's not a about a religion it's a relationship with Jesus Christ and I got to say exactly this this message that was so important and I would love to tell you that a revival broke out in that cafeteria <laughs> I would love to tell you that that they knelt on the cafeteria floor which is a really gross idea but um, and and prayed to, they did not it did not happen like that but a message got through some people understood something about what I believed, where I was. And I don't, <laughs> there were some things that happened in the years following, and I don't know if it, one thing led to another. I was just living day by day. I do know that a couple years later, in my senior year, one of my friends, one of the, the people in, the, in that group, uh, told me he was a Christian. And together we started a Bible study after school, and some other people came to that. It was not a big revival. It was, it was not a huge thing. But slowly people started to come. That there was one guy who came to faith. A couple other people showed some interest. Twenty years later, at one of these reunions, I was talking with a woman. Uh, she was actually the first girl I ever had a crush on in, like, fifth grade. And she lived a block away from me. And... Um, but now she was married, lived in Connecticut with her husband and kids, and she was going to a Catholic church. She'd always been Catholic, but she was, had started to go to a Bible study. And she was finding a relationship with Jesus by reading the Bible in that group. And she wanted to tell me about this 20 years later at this reunion because she knew I would understand what she was talking about. So the question we're considering today is how do we do that in our world? If we are really being unreligious, if we're, we have this sort of down with religion idea here that it's really a relationship with Jesus Christ, how does that affect the way we share our faith? I was at a conference about six months ago in, uh, at a hotel in Oklahoma City, um, I won't say anything bad about Oklahoma City. Um, <laughs> uh, there wasn't a lot to do in town, let me just put it that way. Um, so, but um, uh, there was one morning I got up for breakfast. They had put out kind of a breakfast buffet, and it was a casual thing. You just get a seat at a, a round table with a bunch of other people. And uh, so I got my scrambled eggs and sat down with eight people I didn't know. Uh, they were, it, it was a conference of Christian writers and editors and communicators. And um, uh, so at this table uh, was a guy who worked for a data organization. Uh, they do surveys of people and gather uh, uh, information about trends uh, and particularly religious trends. And, um, and so people were asking him questions. Somebody was asking, what's the, what's the latest trend that you're finding in your, in your research? And he, he said, well, uh, by far, really, it's the rise of the nuns. 
And, and I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> Those are black robe people roaming the streets, tearing down taverns or something. And uh, no, no, not N-U-N-S. This is the people who, who, when they say, what is your religion, they check the box that says none. So they are the nuns. And there are more and more nuns than ever. And so, um, and he, he went on, he, he talked about some other research that was showing that, that this class of people who would describe themselves as spiritual but not religious, that was a growing group. And, um, and there was a woman at this table who, who just said, spiritual but not religious, that's, I just don't get that. How can you be spiritual and not religious? It just, they, they, it's such a shame that, pe- that it has come to this, that people are calling themselves spiritual but not religious. It's like they're missing the whole point. How can you be religious and not spiritual? <clears throat> and I wanted to say, isn't, isn't that what the Apostle Paul said he was in Rick's favorite chapter, Philippians 3, where he says, I, here are all the religious things I've done, but I count that all as garbage compared to the joy of knowing Christ, the relationship with Christ. It's about relationship, not religion. Isn't that what Paul asked us to do in the book of Galatians? Stop trusting in the religious law to save you, but keep in step with the Spirit. Trust in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to save you and live day by day in the Spirit. Isn't this the faith that we have? Not religious, but spiritual. Isn't this a step forward to someone say, for someone to say, I am spiritual but not religious? This woman said that and the other people around the table were agreeing with her. And I longed to say something different. I didn't. It was before 8 in the morning, and I can't really <laughs> say anything before 9 and several cups of coffee. Um, and I also was hoping to get some work with some of these editors and didn't want to burn any bridges. So I kept quiet, but I'm telling you now what I would have said there. They were bemoaning the decline of religion, and I was celebrating the rise of spirituality. You live in a world where people are increasingly spiritual but not religious. Actually, I got some data on this. The Pew organization did some research, and I don't know if you can, you can see that, but um, the, the second line down has gone up. This is between 2012 and 2017. 19% of Americans to 27% of Americans describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. Still in second place. There's still people who are religious and spiritual, but that group is is growing. And in fact, that I mean, so how many Catholics are there in the United States? About 23 percent. How many Methodists? Uh, about three or four percent. Um, so that's that's a large group of people. One quarter of the people that you live with, that you work with spiritual but not religious and so we could talk to them and say what a shame it is that you are not religious you should be religious like me or we could say what what does your spirituality look like how do you 
how do you practice that? What, what, what is that? And some of them will talk about crystals and auras and all sorts of stuff because spirituality can go a lot of different directions. But you can also start a conversation about God, about how God impacts our lives and how God has impacted your life through Jesus Christ and how the Spirit of Jesus guides you day by day. The, the force of religion is, is dominant in our society and durable in our society. And yes, it may be declining in, in our age, but there is, it's a primal thing that people of all sorts of religions have felt this urge to, to appease the supernatural, and have done it in a lot of different ways, and people keep turning to religion rather than trusting spirituality often. Uh, I'm reminded of a case uh, where, uh, in the Bible where Paul and Barnabas were traveling to some towns in the interior of what is now Turkey, a town called Lystra, and uh, we have a scripture up here, uh, and... Um, uh, they come to this town, and, uh, well, before I, I read the scripture, the, um, there was a legend in this town that, uh, in, uh, that in this region that a couple of the Greek gods had come to town in disguise and had asked for a place to stay. And there was one family that invited them in, and they were rewarded for that. So Paul and Barnabas come to them talking about the creator god who, who loves them, and they think, oh, this is... This, these are gods in disguise. And so they start worshiping Paul and Barnabas as their gods, according to their religion. And Paul and Barnabas, uh, well, as we see it, when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, and this is key, even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. He's there offering them a relationship with the creator God. And they say, well, okay, that's nice, but here, here's a sacrifice. We think you're gods. And uh, uh, so they were scarcely able to restrain them from doing their religious thing. As we consider this question of how we share our unreligious faith with our world, we need to recognize how, how durable religion is, that things will always be, try to become religious. We will need to be vigilant against that to make it not a matter of ritual, not a matter of religious expression, but continue to revive it with the reality of a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. We see this in history, and I, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but various points, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley even, had moments of great relationship with Christ. That was their message. They revolutionized the church by reminding people that it was about a relationship with Jesus. And in all those cases, and more, those who initially received that message of relationship, it became kind of encrusted over. It, it, it deadened in religious expression. And so that the freshness of that relationship was kind of lost. We need to be vigilant and hold to that concept of the relationship. I'm not saying that religion is all bad, but when we start trusting in the religion rather than the relationship, that's a problem. The next point, oh, no, I've got another point before that one. So, um, the question, so how do you do that? How do you talk to people about uh, your, the relationship rather than the religion? Uh, first, acknowledge their journey. Uh, and we have, a, we have a slide on this. Uh, this is the other case where, so mostly in the book of Acts, Paul is talking to Jewish people who know the scriptures, and so he quotes the scriptures. There are two cases where he talks to pagan audiences who do not know the, the scriptures, and we just saw one of them in Lystra where they were worshiping him. Uh, and here he is in Athens talking to a group of philosophers. And uh, he walks through the town and he sees idols. Well, so I'll read it. Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. No, notice, he's just seen a bunch of idols there. And so he could say, and he gets around to this, he could say, these are false gods. Stop worshiping your false gods. But he says, you're very religious. Um, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm, talking, I'm telling you about. People in their spiritual but not religious mode, or even in their religious mode, are searching for a relationship. They may not know it. They're looking for an unknown God who might know them and love them, and that is what we offer, that relationship with the God they do not know yet. And so, in your conversation, don't yell at them. Don't criticize what their beliefs are. Don't yell at them for believing stupid stuff. Um, ask them. Ask them how they, you know, what they believe. Ask them about their spirituality. Ask them how they are connecting with the supernatural. Ask them what their ideas of God are. And listen. And then share what you know of the God who wants to love them, the God who sent Jesus Christ to save them. This next point is really important, and I could talk about it for a long time. I won't, but I do want to teach you a word. So, consider epistemology. I'm sure you've been considering epistemology for some time now. <laughs> I'm just showing off, showing off a little vocabulary. Um, yeah. The word epistemology, it's a really good word, it's a good concept, and, and it's really important <laughs> nowadays more than ever. So it's basically the study of how people believe what they believe. 
how they come to accept something as true. And I, we will not get into politics, but there is part of the political discussion in our world today is a matter of epistemology. This network says this, this network says this, there's a lot of fake news, who can you believe? That's what epistemology is. Well, the same thing occurs in Christianity. It, it, it occurs in matters of God. Who do you believe? And there has been a radical shift in our culture's epistemology over the last 60 years or so. That seems like a long time, except a lot of Christians haven't caught up. 60 years ago, 50, uh, we're talking 50s and before then, the Bible was accepted, generally accepted as true. People revered the Bible. There was a general cultural acceptance. The Bible says it, that's good. That's an authority. But then, like so many other things in the 60s, that was questioned. That was, people began to question all sorts of authority, all sorts of assumptions that had been made previous to that. And in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and on to today, that questioning has occurred. And so the Bible is no, no longer has that status of the, the book that people trust. Back in 1965, somebody might hand you a tract on a street corner, and you would read it, and it would say, God, want, you know, so you're a sinner in need of salvation, Romans 3.23. You deserve eternal death, Romans 6.23. And it would quote Bible verses to convince you to become a Christian. If you try that in 1975, you'd get a very different response. A, a skeptic might say, well, why are you quoting all these Bible verses? Well, it, that's the truth. How do you know it's the truth? Well, it's the word of God. How do you know it's the word of God? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says the Bible is inspired by God. So you're quoting the Bible to prove the Bible. And skeptical people would question that. And what has happened in the time since then is that we have not learned a new way to talk about our faith. That Christians have doubled down on the Bible as the authority and have really changed the message from you need a relationship with Christ to you need to believe the Bible. And here, let me argue why the Bible is true in every bit of it, every story of it, everything that you find hard to believe, everything that you find confusing, I am going to prove it to you. And people, it, Christians waste a lot of time and effort trying to prove the Bible so that then they can bring people to Jesus rather than talking about the relationship that people can have with Christ. I am not knocking the Bible. You know, I love the Bible. I'm, uh, and yet, I believe the Bible because God speaks to me through the Bible. It's, it's a before and after kind of thing. It is the relationship validates the Bible rather than the reverse. For me, to, there are a lot of holy books in the world. Why should people believe the Bible rather than the Book of Mormon or the Koran or the Bhagavad Gita or, or any of these other books? Well, I know because I have a relationship that the Bible, that God speaks to me through the Bible. But I don't expect someone else to know that until they have that relationship. So can we invite people into a relationship? Well, how do we do that? consider epistemology. How do people believe what they believe? 
There are all sorts of things, and you can fill in that, this list as well as I can. What, how do you believe what you believe? Experience? What you've experienced? What you sense? A friend, a trusted friend comes and says, you've got to buy this product. You've got to try this weight loss method. You've got to go to this restaurant. You, gotta do, you believe what your friend tells you if you trust them. People believe what, they, what a community that they're a part of holds to be true. People believe a story that they fit in. That's very important. And especially if it checks off some of the other boxes, their experience, their sensing, what they hear from others. If there's a story that becomes their story, that fits them, that could be their story, they believe that. And so my, my suggestion to you is that you learn two stories to tell. God's story and your story. God's story in Scripture, so keep reading the Bible because the story is there. God created a world and loves the world, but the world is a mess. Won't take a lot to convince people of that. We humans are a mess. We need help. God loves the world so much that he sent his son to be a sacrifice for us, to pay the debt for us, to restore a relationship for us with him. God wants a relationship with him, wants us to be in a relationship with him through Jesus. The basic story, learn that. Learn how to talk about that in a sweet, inviting way. But then also tell your story. How have you connected spiritually with God through Jesus Christ? How does he affect your life day by day? Tell your honest story. Some of you have amazing conversion stories. You were on Skid Row, a mass murderer, and you turned your life over. Maybe not, a, I don't know, maybe. But um, others of you, you know, like me, you know, I became a Christian when I was seven years old. Didn't have a lot of time for mass murder before then. Um, but Jesus continues to change my life day by day. He's continually a reality in my life, and I can talk about that. Tell your story authentically and the reality that God is in your life. The final thing I want to share with you is just this note. Um, let the Spirit drive this. I am not putting the pressure on you that my church put on me growing up. I'm not saying go out and witness to people, whether they like it or not. I am saying let the Spirit lead you into this. You, so you don't know what to say. Well, here's a, a verse here that Jesus uh, said to, his, uh, to a group of disciples as he was sending them out. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. A number of years ago, I might give you a homework assignment to go and make a list of, of 10 people that you need to share your faith with, and then you know, go and do that. I'm not going to do that, but I'm I am going to give you a homework assignment. Sometime in the next 24 hours, have a, have a talk with God and say, I am open to sharing whatever you want me to share with somebody. You let me know who that person is and how to do it. But I'm open to it. I'm listening to you. I'm ready 
for you to guide me into a sharing moment with somebody who needs to hear about a relationship with Jesus. And then just pay attention. Let the Spirit move you throughout the coming week, weeks, months. Let the Spirit drive, and we can share this amazing story of Jesus and the relationship he wants to have with us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, even now we want to open our hearts to you in this relationship we have with you, and we are so thankful. Guide us. Show us who needs to hear from you and use us to do that. We trust you. We're, we're open to how you will lead us. Bless this church. Let us be a force in Mount Laurel sharing this relationship with them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.